0: All right, it's the DT Difference. It's 30 years experience in the game, DT Systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro Dummy Launcher and the Remote Dummy Launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's gunner kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a gunner kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. All right, our number one asked question is revolving around force fetch whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird let me help you help your dog bunch of different breeds bunch of different personalities start to finish teaching you how to do it links in the description What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. I think every week I tell you we got a good one coming for you, but this week we have a gold medalist from the Olympics on the show, Amber English. First lieutenant in the US Army, gold medalist at the Olympics for Skeet, and all around awesome person to chat with. Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of fun. But first, that Eukanuba, baby. The food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck. We have challenged you to the three-month Yukanuba Challenge. You're going to get a bag each month for your dog. You're going to check their coat, check their skin, check their teeth, check their energy level, check their feces, if you may say. Tell me after three months that you're uh, not happy and old Uncle Kevin will buy a bag for you of something else. We know you're going to be happy. Next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. If you're riding down the road, you want to make sure that dog is completely protected, get you into that American-made Gunner Kennel, baby. If you need one, sign in on the old Instagrams and get on at Lone Duck and send us a direct message. We'd be happy to get you some pricing. Next up, Dogtra. Man, this is the collar that's in my back pocket every single day. It's in my hand when I'm collar conditioning, force-fetching, running dogs on marks and blinds, in the field, in the duck blind. Cannot beat it. You can check it out on LoneDuckOutfitters.com to learn more. We suggest the old 1900S or Edge RT, but they got plenty of other great units that may fit your needs. Shooter shoot, baby, that can't. Mmm, business, baby. Duck season is literally right around the corner now. We're into August. You know, September, we can shoot geese. I mean, it is here. And I am fired up to get the old bismuth back out, dust it off a little bit, and let them eat. Check them out on Instagram at Kent underscore cartridge. Baby, next up, smoke them if you got them, that Traeger Grills. You know, as simple as a, a cheeseburger can be, I made some cheeseburgers this weekend, and they were dynamite. I sprinkled some Traeger rub in the meat, a couple eggies from my chickens on the farm, what else, a salt, pepper, garlic powder, just rolled all that meat right up, made it into a ball, patted it out, put it on my, my Traeger, and just let it do its job. They were delightful. I could have eaten seven of them. I only went for two because I'm a responsible adult, but I could have done more. Lastly, you know what you got to do. Patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and you want to help spread the joy, the gift of giving, join our community. There's a ton of cool stuff on there. Never before seen videos of Puppy Prairie doing some work. We do happy hours uh, about twice a month where it's live. Me, Kevin, maybe some special guests if you're lucky. But uh, join our Patreon. Not a lot, just a little, but it definitely helps us keep this ball rolling. And if you want to get yourself a little Lone D in your life, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. T-shirts, hats, hoodies. It's that time of year now. Get ready for the, the cooler temperatures with that long sleeve and hoodie. LoneDuckOutfitters.com. All right. Let's get into the show. All right, Amber, tell everybody a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I uh, I am my name is Amber English. I am 31 years old from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I just won the gold medal in Tokyo 2020 in women's skate.
0: Woo! woo. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe people know, maybe people don't know, because I always get this messed up. I'm kind of a little thick-headed. What's the difference between (laughs) skeet, trap, and sporting clays?
2: That's a good question. So,
1: in in a nutshell, I would say sporting clays is like golf with your shotgun in the woods. So, you kind of go through various stations on a course like you would on a golf course, um, and you just shoot various stations and sequences of targets that are different from every, every competition, uh, just like you would a golf course. Uh, seat and trap. So trap is all designed for the targets to go away from you. So you'll have five people in one uh, horizontal line, and the targets go away from you. So you shoot, one person shoots, and then it goes to the second person, and then it goes to the third person. And you start from the shoulder and then uh, skeet, international skeet, we start from the hip and our vests are all measured um, appropriately for our bodies. And so we have a yellow line and we have to have the gun touching the yellow line. And you shoot targets from a high house and a low house that cross in the middle of the field. So as soon as you call pull, there's a random zero to three second delay. And then um, once the target comes out, then you can mount your gun to the target.
0: And how many clay birds do you have to shoot? Like, obviously, you probably had to go in a row or, you know, 25 for 25, 50 for 50. What is that like?
1: Yeah, so we shoot rounds. um, This is all international in and State. We shoot rounds of 25, and then those are all added up to the bigger score. So for the Olympics, we shot um, over two days. The first day was three rounds of 25, which would be 75. And then the second day we finished it with a 50 and then we went into the final. So 125.
0: And what's the variable uh, not the variable what is like who got second place? Like what did they hit? How many how many did it I mean you can't yeah, really mess for, up, right?
1: No, I mean, and I'll only speak for ski. Um, the The scores are very high, and it depends on the conditions. You know, since we shoot outside, um, there's a lot of variables that come into play. And um, you know, if the conditions are are pretty good, then you're going to see really high scores. Um, but once you shoot 125, that's where they take the top six of that qualifying score, and then you make it into the final. And then the final is a whole different sequence of targets and. Um, And new stuff that we didn't shoot over qualification. And then that's kind of like a sudden death shoot off. So your score goes back to zero in the finals and then you shoot 60 targets right there. And I, the person who won the um, silver behind me, I beat her by only one. Oh
0: my God. Can you imagine? Well, well, I almost said, can you imagine the pressure? But you, Amber, actually can imagine the pressure. What was that like? Like were your palms sweaty? I'm sweating right now.
1: Yeah, you know, it was, uh, I thought I knew what pressure was until I stepped on that stage and then I realized I have no idea, Um, like, wow, I haven't felt that before. You know, what am I going to do to manage this? And then, you know, it's just really coming down to, you know, what's the process for each target and what's it going to take to break the next target? And it's only one target at a time. And if you can focus on the process then the outcome will usually be successful
0: that's very very cool you could take that in a lot of ways in life truly <laughs> yep pretty
1: that, much
0: that kind of actually parlays nicely into a question that one of our patreon patrons uh, Jeff sent in and he asked about your pre-shot routine and mm-hmm. you know what you're getting your mind right before you yell pull yeah you
1: know that's something um, that it's taken years to come up with and and it's just it's just like any other, you know, I, I kind of, I don't golf, but I know that it's very similar to golf and people will spend a lot of money to study what, you know, Tiger Woods and all of them think. Um, but it's really just anything that you can say to yourself to calm yourself down and put you right back in the moment. Cause it's, it's really easy to feel, you know, the weight on your shoulders and all the pressure and like, Oh my God, if I do this, then this will happen. If or, look, that person's two behind me. I have a lead or whatever. And it's just all distractions that don't don't mean anything. And it's definitely not going to help you, um, you know, be successful. So, you really, the pre-shot routine, I just try to think about, you know, seeing the target. and I kind of visualize before, like the person before me, I'll visualize the target breaking before I actually just step up there and do it.
0: What's the timing like? Because I, I feel like when I shoot clay birds... i'm very sporadic and Mm -hmm. so you're kind of generous yeah it's generous very generous (laughs) like if you Mm -hmm. if you don't shoot it soon enough then it's kind of outside of your your load right and then yeah shoot too soon then your pattern's super tight and like it's got to be very like almost muscle memory of like here we go eyes on the target squeeze yeah i
1: mean it's just you know, we try to be uh, as methodical and everything as we can, and, and timing does play, you know, a little bit into it, but you really, you know, if those conditions come up where it's super windy or anything, it's, it's going to be different than what you've trained before. So it's really just shooting where the target is, not where you think it's going to be. Hmm.
2: So, so I have a question. I feel like I've read every uh, Tips to Be a Better Wing Shooter this upcoming hunting season article, and they never help me but are you um <laughs> are you uh which camp are you in i guess is it like the where you paint through the the target right like you swing through it and then squeeze or do you like get out in front stay out in front and then pull or are you just way better than everybody and do whatever you think is gonna hit it i'm the old yeah, close my eyes. whatever like we'll oh, just, just do whatever
1: but you know i would. If I had to recommend anything, it would be to just keep your eyes on the bird the whole time. Like it's easy to, you know, come out way in front and then you stop your gun or or do weird stuff. But if you just try to pay attention to maybe shooting the beak off or aiming right at their feet. And uh, obviously because birds fly, so they're still moving. um, Just try to bring your eyes to that one specific spot on the bird.
0: Do you keep both eyes open or do you close an eye? I do.
1: I keep both open.
0: All right. So I black out when I pull the trigger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just close both your eyes. And
0: I think it. so. I'm being serious. I know. I mean,
1: that's one way to do it.
0: Right? Like I, I, people will ask me, I'm like, I will have two eyes open watching the bird. And then I don't know what happens. It just falls or it doesn't. And you're like, oh, did I close one? Did I keep them both open? I, I don't know. How do you, yeah, how does who, who taught you to like do it right? <laughs> who taught you to keep
2: your eyes open while you, you
1: know it? it actually it seems ridiculous, but that kind of that is a common thing for people. And you know, um, you just really need to figure out your eye dominancy. And if say you're right handed and you know you're left eye dominant, then you know, for a younger kid, it's pretty easy. We can switch them over to a left handed shooter and left eye dominant, that makes things a lot easier. But as adults, you know. It's kind of teaching an old dog new tricks. You can, um, you know, you're a right, right-handed shooter and left eye dominant. And you can put a little piece of like see-through tape on the inside of your glasses to just kind of blur out that left eye. Um, and that's just one tool to kind of force your right eye to take over. And that, that helps a little bit, but you know, you'd really just have to see the eye dominancy thing and keep your eyes open. It's really, <laughs> yeah. a good start. Yeah. And just uh, really work on, you know, looking at one part of the bird or the target Very and cool. practice, you know, practice yeah. also a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how often are you practicing? Like how many clay birds do you think you, you shoot uh, a week, a month?
1: Oh man. Um, you know, it really just depends on what we're getting ready for. So in the U S our, our competitions, um, are kind of marathons compared to overseas. Um, but just to get ready for Tokyo, you know, I've I've uh, done this for a long time, so it really was just forcing myself to have quality over quantity. Um, but there were some weeks for sure where I was shooting over 500 a day. Oh, my
0: God. With the ammo <laughs> shortage, you're just
1: – that's just – Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is bananas. <laughs> Thank
1: <laughs> you, U.S. Army.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. That's great. Yeah. Um, that well, is Army strong, baby.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: that's sweet um do you well Fort drum isn't that far from me so if i go up there and tell them me and amber are buddies now (laughs) just drop a couple flats right here
1: you can you can try i'm doing it we'll see what they say yeah we'll see what
2: they say yeah um (laughs) what uh i i guess i don't know what caliber like what what kind of shotgun were you shooting what gauge were you shooting like
1: so i shoot a perazzi 8 and it's a 12 gauge over and under
2: do they have rules on gauge
1: Um, no, there's no specific rule. Um, obviously we would, you know, there are kids and stuff that'll shoot 20 gauges here in the U S but as an adult, we want as many BBs as we can uh, out there. So everybody shoots pretty much 12 gauge.
2: I like that's hilarious because I enjoy going out and shooting my
1: 20 gauge. Yeah. (laughs) A bunch of children
2: go out and do that. I'm like, Oh, me too.
1: (laughs) Well, just for competition. I mean, yeah you can shoot anything whatever's fun that's what it's about it's just yeah. having fun and so and, is uh, your perazzi
2: kind of like your go-to or do you ever switch out or
1: no we we mainly have one gun that everybody shoots Well, there's three guns that mainly people shoot uh that are really popular it's a perazzi a beretta or a craigoff um and those are just built to withstand shooting that much and each of the guns are totally custom for the individual so what fits me probably isn't going to fit another guy on the team. Um, since they're all very, very custom. that's
2: That's pretty cool. cool.
0: Yeah. I kinda, I actually, that is one thing I already knew is that the, like your length of pull and and the gun fitting Mm -hmm. you like to a T just helps immensely. And I would say that is something I have no clue how to do myself. Is there any tips Mm -hmm. to help people real quick? Like, when they grab a gun off the shelf know like, okay, this is going to be way too big or way too small.
1: Yeah. I mean, just whatever kind of feels natural. If you feel like your head's too far away or, you know, especially for hunting, um, just whatever you can mount the quickest and what feels, um, natural. Uh, and then, you know, by all means you can adjust the stock or, or, I mean, there's even guns that I have that I shoot and I put moleskin on the back just to raise it up a tiny bit and uh, whatever, whatever you can do just really quick to mount your gun and then see that kind of perfect figure eight on your barrel, then that's what's going to give you the most success because right. when you got birds and stuff flying around, I mean, you're not going to have time to really mess around with setting your eye up perfect or anything on the gun and shoot the birds.
0: Makes sense. Uh, can we talk a little bit about your experience in Tokyo and what, what was that like, you know, as an American qualifying, like all this hard work, this life passion of yours and stepping off the plane with the team being like, holy cow, I'm here. What was it like?
1: You know, it, it was really challenging to prepare for these games. So, I mean, there were days I was just like, oh, what are we doing? You know, we're getting ready for something, and then it feels like every time you turn around, something was getting whipped out from under you, just with competitions or rescheduling. And, you know, it, it was a challenge to kind of stay positive. And, um, you know, we uh, we had a lot less to prepare for this match than normal the uh, games. You know, normally we'd have four or five overseas matches before the Olympics and we only got one this time. So
0: was that due to there COVID? was a lot of,
1: yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, insanity that kind of went into this, <laughs> this prep, but uh, you know, once we, once we got on the plane and we're like, okay, wow, this is really happening. Like, okay, now it's real. It wasn't really real before. And then we're like, okay, we're doing it now.
2: So when you were over there, what, uh, was there anything like super cool that you ate?
1: Oh, I like you know, sushi. I will. Yeah, we could eat sushi every day if you wanted it. That's pretty awesome. Um, it, everything was really, really good food wise over there. I didn't have anything that was bad. Um, everything was super clean. The people were very, very nice and accommodating. It's like I feel like if you needed a napkin, like they would sprint across the room and then bring it back. That's <laughs> you know, awesome. Like they were so very cool. nice people. Um, but yeah, I you know, I didn't eat anything too wild over there. You know. I had some experiences over in China where you can pretty much eat whatever you want.
2: That's very interesting. Um, Would love to hear. (laughs) Like, what are some of the other cool places? You've mentioned traveling and doing different, uh, you know, international shoots. Like, what are some of the cool places that you've been to? Um, I don't know, maybe weird things that you've eaten.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I would say um, the weirdest things I've ever seen to eat have kind of come from Asian cultures. Um, But... You know, Japan, all the sushi and everything you could eat. So that was really, really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, over in China, I've had a scorpion on a stick. Um, I ate uh, starfish, which was actually pretty disgusting. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was that it was like a whole fried
2: starfish? Like you, you get like a fair sort of thing?
1: Yeah. And then starfish they kind of cut it open and you eat the meat on the inside. And it's kind of like a crumbled, like crab meat. Um, but yeah, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> then, it was like uh, a bad version of crab meat. Yeah, this was not good. And then uh, they ate some weird flowers and just all sorts of stuff. I mean, they had a huge market on the street, and you could find anything on a stick to eat over there. So.
2: <laughs> like,
1: <right>. anything. <laughs> they, yeah. really,
0: they really took the corn dog to new levels, eh? Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Absolutely. I
0: was like, yeah, I'm probably, you know, I'm good
1: with
0: my scorpion and I'm good with that. That's really cool. uh, So you've kind of briefly mentioned, um, hunting, you know, you've parlayed Mm -hmm. some of the topics of skeet and how you would track a duck through the air. You know, does that Mm -hmm. tell me that you have hunting experience that you, do you like to hunt?
1: I do. You know, I, I grew up uh, in Colorado and, and that was huge. in My family and my dad, and it was kind of funny growing up, you know, my dad would hunt mule deer all the time. And so he tricked me when I was really little into thinking that that was my birthday present. Cause deer season was like the same time or opening, you know, weekend of that was also over my birthday. And so when I was really little, like, that was kind of my birthday deal. We would go out and he would shoot a wild deer. That <laughs> so, is
0: a Good dadding right there. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: And he's like, he's like, "What person is going to tell me no? You know, hunting on their property with a little three-year-old in a snowsuit." <laughs> so, <laughs> he, yeah, we shot a lot of stuff, and that's it, one it way was to get permission. Kinda, like you can't exactly. crush her. This is her
2: birthday hope right here.
1: Yeah. Well, they're like what? That one was going to stay quiet, but yeah, he used to just bribe me with Kit Kats and. I would be quiet. He'd shoot mule deer, and he'd have anatomy lessons and all sorts of stuff. And then, yeah, that's how I grew up. And shot shot pheasant a lot in Colorado, and, and some doves. So,
0: so pheasants and dove. Any other wing shooting? Did you ever duck on uh, or anything?
1: I did. Um, I didn't do it as much there, but I've, I've definitely gone and we shot some goose, too.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. My buddy Mickey You're Novak just kind called of a big me.
1: Team. Yeah,
0: people can't leave me alone, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm on the phone with a gold medalist, you know, for the <laughs> first time ever in my life, chatting with an Olympic gold uh, medalist, and Mickey Novak's going to call me and ask where I'm training dogs today.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Now, tell us about your dog.
1: Yes, he is a wild animal. Um, he is a two-and-a-half-year-old lab. He's a yellow lab, but he's completely white, and his name is Cotton.
0: That's a good name, right there. (laughs) Yeah. Does he like to do any retrieving?
1: Oh yeah, he loves it. It is uh, almost impossible to keep him out of water. So. So he doesn't stay Snow
2: White all the time.
1: No. That's good. Definitely not.
2: (laughs) Do you ever take him out hunting?
1: I do occasionally. You know, he went um, he went out dove hunting with us actually uh, last year. Which always kind of made me nervous at home in Colorado. We never really put dogs out uh, dove hunting in Colorado, but down here in the South, that's uh, the thing to do, I guess. And you know, it was pretty fun. He did a really good job.
0: Yeah, the South is. So I'm assuming you're stationed down there, or do you? Yeah, I'm there now? in Fort Benning. Okay, cool. Uh, the South is dove season is a national holiday in the South. Oh yeah, like everything shuts down. I've never seen more people spend more like money really. Whereas like, like I just strive to have a 50 acre farm to train dogs on. They're like, Oh no, that 50 acres is for dove. We don't do anything yeah, else. Exactly. On it. it blows my mind. <laughs> I
1: know they're serious about it. It's pretty
0: fun. Yeah, it is. It's super fun, but you could do that as well in Colorado.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. We grew up where in Colorado, September 1st was the opening day. Like always September 1st. So down here, it's the first weekend of September, which is a little different. And then, um, in Colorado, you can shoot in daylight, but down here you have to wait till noon. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Right. When it gets super
0: hot, then you can go out there. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) Makes a ton of sense, but maybe it's, they're trying to shake the hangover or something. I don't know.
1: Exactly. Who knows what they're doing?
0: (laughs) Getting their biscuits and gravy. Yep. So, growing up in Colorado, how long have you like done this journey? Like, is it a childhood dream to make the Olympics, or how, when did this all come about for you?
1: You know, I actually grew up doing gymnastics, and i I stopped right at about fifteen or sixteen when I realized, you know, this is something I'm not going to pursue in college. Or I'm kind of hurting already. Um, but I come from a family of competitive shooters. You know, my dad and uncle shot competitively and even my mom and aunt shot in college and had a cousin that shot um, as well in college. And so they all shot rifle disciplines. My dad and my uncle uh, shot running target, which is no longer an Olympic sport, but kind of a mix between shotgun and rifle and my mom and them shot rifle. And so I'm kind of the only one to branch out and shoot shotguns. But, you know, after, after I kind of let my body heal in gymnastics, I decided, like, I want to compete in something. And we obviously knew shooting was around, and so I tried tried rifle and pistol, and it really wasn't for me. And, and then um, at the time, Lloyd Woodhouse was the coach, and he said, you know, we really need women on the shotgun team, and we'd love for you to try it. And there that was ever since I've been doing it.
0: So when was that?
1: I started in the very, very end of 06.
0: Oh, 06. 06. So it.
1: Been- been a
0: long time i was a freshman in college i think i was a freshman in college
1: nice
0: yeah glory days
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah i mean i've taken a few years off here and there i i you know finished school at one point and took a year off and then you know after every quad i kind of take time to you know ground yourself and figure out what the next thing is and just whatever it takes to make you, you know, more stable, you know, financially or, or anything. Um, it definitely takes the pressure off for, for competing at a high level after that. And then I joined the army back in, in 2017 and ended up being a really, really good decision for me.
0: That's super cool. So did you shoot competitively in college? Did they have a shooting team there? Or was it
1: something different? Um, they do have a few shooting teams in college, obviously uh, not as many as, Rifle uh, does, but I was living in Colorado Springs, which was really cool because it was kind of Olympic City, USA. So the Olympic Training Center was actually there, kind of my in my backyard. So um, when I got started, I was kind of around there from the get-go, which helped a lot.
0: That's incredible. Like, how does that even happen? Like, if 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 a a young woman is listening to this, or a young man. And they're like, man, mm-hmm. I, I really would love to get into this sport. This is something I crave, love doing, and are good at, maybe just naturally gifted. How do they go about finding? They usually keep their eyes open. Yeah, they're not me.
1: <laughs> Sounds. <laughs> um, you know, you just, I mean, if we're just speaking about shooting alone, you can go to usashooting.org uh, and go look, go look online and just find information and, and find contacts and call them. Um, at their headquarters, and I would kind of encourage that for any sport, really. You know, They always have their, like, Team USA sites that um, should have a lot of information about how to get started or camps or junior programs or anything like that. So I would just look it up online and then start calling numbers.
0: And then be kind of good at it already. <laughs> <Probably a prereq. laughs> yeah.
1: No, I mean, I definitely was not good when I first started. But, it, you know, if you uh, kind of have a passion with something and and you're um, able to put the work into it, then, you know, good things will usually come of it.
0: What do you think? Like, obviously, you're a perfect example of someone who did that, right? You chased gymnastics for a while, which you said is really hard on your body. That, <laughs> Yeah. Watching the young women and men, do it that in the Olympics, you're like, dang, my rotator cuff sore just sitting here yeah, watching them exactly. do that. Um, and my fiance did gymnastics all growing up and she's having like, I don't know, hip problems and whatnot from it. Um, to to take that discipline from gymnastics, did that help you? Like, did that sport, I guess what I'm trying to say, help you later in life as you needed that discipline?
1: Well, absolutely. Now, um, gymnastics that's definitely a requirement you have to be very disciplined and motivated and, and committed um, to get that done and and so that kind of was the foundation for me being able to work hard and I knew what hard work was um, and how it felt obviously shooting wasn't as painful <laughs> as that, so I didn't have that aspect of it but I definitely knew what sacrifice meant and dedication and all those things so that definitely came naturally and then You know, just the hand eye coordination I got alone from gymnastics, I think that definitely helped
0: uh, me in shooting. I didn't even think of that, but that's probably a huge factor.
1: Yeah. It was uh, the learning curve was steep, but I think it was, you know, a little easier having that background to be able to make the switch.
0: That's really cool. What are some of the things that your Olympic coaches have taught you about life? not just maybe the the shooting, right? Like I'm sure they have great tips. Like you already told us tip wise, but just like the life advice that they are giving you so that they can help build a gold medalist.
1: You know, just the resiliency part of it. You know, they see it as they, they see us at our worst and best times. So they're there for the roller coaster rides. And, and when we're disappointed in ourselves or, or when we're really happy and it paid off. So, you know, just some of the things that I've learned from them is just how to be positive and and just kind of embrace the suck when we have to.
0: Are you sure that wasn't the army that said embrace the suck?
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of learned that before, but they, yeah, they definitely hammered that home sometimes.
0: <laughs> That's cool. How do you balance army life with
1: shooting? You know, I mean, I'm a very fortunate here in Fort Benning to be able to do, you know, have my full time job be was to prepare for that that uh, olympic games and so it, it's it's going to be quite a challenge coming up here later but we've got some time off shooting but you know it i was you know just training training really hard every day and then uh, you know, there's still expectations in the military with with our schools and and paperwork and mandatory trainings and stuff like that so you know you really just kind of take it day by day and and uh you know, time management is really important. We know, Hey, we have these certain days that we're training and these certain days we can't train. So you really have to utilize your time as best as you can.
0: It's probably massively important. I struggle with that.
1: Yeah.
0: I I have a thousand balls in the air and I'm trying to juggle and catch them and throw them again. Um, yep. Like I just got out of the field about fifteen minutes before our call, and we ran up to the podcast room, and we're rocking. It and then I'll be running back out to the field to keep training. Nice. Yeah, it's fun though. It's a good, good gig. Um, in the army, I feel like there's so many young people in America that are thinking about the different branches of of service. What has your experience been like? And you know, what are you doing there? And and what would you tell them?
1: if they wanted to consider it. You know, I uh, was lucky to, I was shooting domestic and international, you know, competitions with a lot of the guys that are already down here and army marksmanship unit. So when I was a civilian, my eyes were kind of open to their program right off the bat. Um, I fought joining the army for a very long time. I didn't join until I was 27. Um, and that honestly, has been kind of one of my biggest regrets was not joining earlier. Um, you know, it's just a very big family environment, and I'm sure every person across every branch would would you know have similar statements that you really do gain a a much bigger family from this process. And although it was really scary at first, I'm super glad I did it.
0: Are do you think you'll stay in and retire, or do you will you be done after this term?
1: Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually coming off of active duty orders here, uh, next month, but I'll be in the reserve. So that'll give me time to kind of figure out what, what the next step is. Um, and you know, the military is always going to be there. So I just kind of got to figure out what's next. And we, we have a few matches, um, still the rest of the year. So I'll, I'll definitely be training and getting ready for all of that.
0: Good for you. Well, congratulations. And we appreciate everything that you
2: do for the country. Thank you. Including just crushing gold medals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: How,
2: how heavy was that sucker?
1: It was heavy. Um, yeah. I was <laughs> very surprised. But yeah, it was definitely heavier than we
0: thought. Dang, that's so cool. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. I think it is a massive, massive accomplishment in life. And there are so many people that would love to have been able to do that. And, and you achieved it like, it's hard for me to put into words. Can you try and <laughs> yeah, put it into know, words? Like, I I, I don't know. It's
1: just, I, yeah, sometimes I struggle, you know, it's just been a lifelong dream of mine and to be able to actually see it through, it's just totally surreal. And I'm beyond humbled by all the support I've had uh, from everybody to to do this. And I, you know, I really hope that, you know, people who want to do things and If I had a dollar for every time somebody gave me their unsolicited advice on what to do or what timetable, you know, I needed to be on, I wouldn't be where I am today. So it just really goes to show that if you have a passion and you personally enjoy it and you want to do well in it, then that makes us some hard work and you'll be fine. Keep going.
2: So how excited are you for some of the matches that you have coming up where you can just kind of like show up? Unsheath your gun and have a gold medal <laughs> yeah. fall out. Like, oh my <laughs> god, who put that in there?
1: <laughs> what? Oh, oh. oh. oh that's what yeah. right, I did win. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, guys. Just like. I'm know. excited. You know, there's. A, QSA Shooting has a very, very deep women's heat um, discipline. We're the most successful. We've been on top for a very long time, and we're going to continue to win for a very long time. So that's right. it's a lot of work, and, um, you know, I'm just. Uh, it, It's insane that it actually worked out and, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today without us pushing each other very, very hard. So they make the job a little easier knowing that the competition is very stiff over here.
2: Yeah, that's so cool. Do you, um, so aside from like, I don't know, I I guess it's work too, right? Like you, you go into work and and shooting, which is like the coolest thing that you can do. But, um, do you have any like fun hunting plans coming up this, this, uh, fall
1: you know, oh, you I am. I am working on that. I uh, I would love to go shoot an elk again. I shot one a few years ago in Colorado, and I really want to make that a priority to get back home and try to shoot another one. And and yeah, I'm just. I didn't have a lot of time before getting ready for this Olympics to, to go do all the fun stuff that I wanted to. So I'm hoping, hoping I can get that that on the uh, schedule and yeah, make up for lost time.
2: Cool. Are you when you do you um. Will you be in Colorado
0: shooting that elk?
1: I'm going to try. You know, I have family down in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, so I'm going to try to sneak down there and maybe someone can tie one up for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been living a, I've been living on, a, you know, total flat surfaces here in Georgia, so I'm definitely going to have my work cut out for me going home and hiking up mountains again. <laughs>
2: That'll be super cool. How do you handle uh like the elevation changes and stuff the one time not i've been to colorado a couple of times and i went to visit a buddy of mine who was on base in colorado springs or well i guess it's near colorado springs whatever mm-hmm. flew in enjoyed ourselves that night he was on leave <laughs> and uh yeah. and then we did that uh what's the big hike where you go up like the stair the
1: incline and- Oh
2: my God. He thought it was going to be the most fun thing ever. We had just gotten in and I thought I was going to die from yep. indulging. And uh, so we woke up and had like half a cup of coffee and went and did the incline. Ugh. and I, I thought I was going to die. So yep. have, have you done it and what's your time frame on like getting it done?
1: I used to do that all the time. And my fastest time is 34 minutes. <sighs> but my brother beat me a lot. So that was annoying but uh yeah my brother can do it in the twenties. holy crap but uh yeah I I did know, we in just, an
2: hour and i thought i was yeah. gonna die
1: thought i was yeah. gonna die
2: and i blamed it totally yeah. on like oh we just got here and whatever and uh that's <laughs> yeah, that so pretty cool. rough
1: and you know i used to work as a paramedic in colorado too so a lot of my phone you know our calls were up up by the inquiries so, to take care of people like you, just flying in and doing what, it. Whoa, 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 <laughs> Listen,
2: I <laughs> soft, I soft middle class American. Yeah, hello. Uh, I got myself <laughs> up and down. I just almost died in the process, but
1: <laughs> keyboard is almost
2: desk yep, job. Yep, yeah, Listen, sitting at a desk all day, but still crushing it. Still alive. Still made yep, it. There I, you I, go. I you mentioned the
0: paramedic thing. I thought you're. We were doing some Instagram, you know. Scoping out just to try and learn more yeah. about Recon. You. Army yeah. Army words for you. And it yeah, recon, right. Uh <laughs> yeah. Our jokes are we have dad jokes. Um <laughs> and your thing is like Olympic gold medalist, paramo uh army. Dog mom <laughs> paramedic. I'm like this. She is a badass.
1: Random, just very random and eclectic. Yeah, it's kind of the story of my life.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Well, we won't take up more of your time, but I would like if you could do me a favor and mm-hmm. you know, kind of give one parting piece of advice to anybody who's young listening to this, looking up to you, and then tell everybody where they can find you on social media, and uh, we'll roll it out.
1: Yeah, just my uh, main piece of advice. I kind of touched on it earlier. Is just if you have a passion and it's something that you really believe in, then just keep believing in it and work hard and don't ever quit. Don't ever ring the bell. It kind of goes across all uh, branches of the military, but don't ever ring the bell and, and give up. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Amber English and keep up with all the the new adventures coming up.
0: Yeah, you got the, the check mark now.
1: Yeah, I do now. I, I had a lot of uh, a lot of people taking, and it was mainly a lot of my military pictures and, and creating interesting uh, profiles. So
2: so sketchy, super
0: sketchy. Yeah, no, nobody does that for me. I can promise you that.
1: <laughs> and then they'd reach out to me from that fake thing. I'm like, what is that? So. The
2: internet's a weird and, place. Good.
1: Yeah. Lord. <laughs> so super, interesting.
2: Yeah, super sketchy.
0: Well, I'm sorry on behalf of all those scumbags. (laughs) No, 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 not on behalf of. That would include us. No, yeah, not us. (laughs) Please don't do that, everyone. But it's at at Amber English. She got the check mark. No underscores, right? It's just your name.
1: Yep, just my name, Amber English.
0: Yeah, and if it doesn't say gold medalist, (laughs) paramedic, dog mom,
2: it's not her.
1: Yeah, not me.
2: With Cotton, who's a bush dog I saw. A lot yeah. of respect for Cotton. Wait, is Cotton <laughs> down there with you?
1: He is, yeah. He's down here and living his best life. I mean, he's probably laying on my couch right now, but um, we'll see. I'm going to get home and go try to wear him out. There
0: you Big go. Man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our show. It means the world to us that you took time out of your day to talk dogs, talk hunting, and help us with some wing shooting tips. Congratulations on behalf of every American. Thank you for winning the
2: gold i mean that's i i
1: could not be more proud to represent the u.s so very happy to wear and rock red white and blue and thank you guys for having me on here and hopefully we can all connect one day
0: absolutely we definitely will maybe at a dove field near you in georgia that would be a blast
1: there you go just need some crocs and a backwards hat you'll be ready to go
0: amber you're talking my style (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he literally has crocs on right now you canuba dog food hat so yeah.
1: there, there you go, go. perfect yep. pretty
2: spot on. <laughs> yeah you nailed
0: me well thank you we appreciate your time and uh keep on crushing it we we thank you hey do me a solid if you enjoy the show if you enjoy our instagram if we've helped you at all join patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters if you do it before september of 2023 you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and kevin and a bunch of other patreon members down in missouri we're going to smack some ducks have some fun do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time but jump into patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog